0: So we've begun our Walking by Faith series. I want to uh, briefly recap what we've uh, gone through uh, so far, this being our third week. Because we talk about how our life is a journey. And on this journey, or maybe you want to refer to it as an adventure or a trip, or maybe it's a walk for some, a run for others, whatever you want to call this journey of life that we're on, God's desire for his people is that we are transformed more and more into his likeness. So walking by faith includes being open to God's desire for each of us to be transformed. The first week we read from Psalm 139, we heard words from Romans 12. Transformation of ourselves can then only lead to a transformation of the church, of the body. Transformation is allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And that week, that first week, we heard how transformation is is best. It best occurs when we receive information. And how often don't we love to receive information? We do that at church. We do it in schools. But we don't just stop there with the information. We need to allow reflection to take place. And then we need to practice. So the following week, last week, our message referred to the reason for this transformation. What could possibly be God's purpose behind all this transformation? well as we walk by faith being open to transformation of ourselves and the body the church there is one goal in mind and that is following Jesus Christ in mission Jesus has sent his people out into the world to make disciples he sent his people out with his power with his presence so we don't go out in weakness ours maybe but we have strength through him we don't go out on our own Because he's with us. We go on his strength, we go with him. And God desires transformation of his people so that we will grow our love for him and grow our love for one another, his people. And as a result, the gospel message of Jesus Christ will be made known. We get to share the salvation of Jesus Christ. Jesus will be made known. So as we continue our series of walking by faith, we will be looking at biblical values of how we can partner with God to bring about this transformation in our lives. God's Holy Spirit is at work in us, but as people we can sometimes be rebellious and disobedient, and we break our promises, or as we heard about integrity through the children's message, we lack integrity. So over the next few weeks, we'll look at some biblical values that we can learn and apply to our lives and and that we can practice. We'll receive biblical information and we'll be given the opportunity to reflect and the opportunity to practice. And those four values that we'll be looking at over the next four weeks are the one we heard this morning already and we'll hear more about. Integrity, authenticity, courage, and love. Now, Scripture includes several other values that we can talk about, but these are the four that we're going to be looking at in this series. And as mentioned, today we begin with integrity. And to help us explain integrity, we look at 1 Samuel 12. So we're going to turn to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 12, and read from verses 1 to 5, and just hear a brief story about a part in Samuel's life. 1 Samuel 12. Verse 1 through 5. Before we read, let's come to God in prayer. God Almighty, we give you thanks for this opportunity to be together as your people again on this beautiful day and this opportunity just to be in your presence to worship you. We get to hear from your word again, and, and, and through your word, we are given your promises. We are given a perfect example of integrity through your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, as we read from Samuel and hear a bit of a story of integrity and how we can apply that to our lives. We just pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon us to, uh, so that your word will penetrate our hearts and that it will change our lives, change your church, change the world. And it's only through your power, through your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. First Samuel 12, verses 1 through 5. Samuel said to all Israel, I've listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. And now you have a king as your leader. As for me, I'm old and gray. And my sons are here with you. And I have been your leader from my youth until this day. And here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I've done any of these things, I will make it right. You've not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You've not taken anything from anyone's hand. And Samuel said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and also his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness, they said. So just a little bit about Samuel. Samuel was born of Elkanah and Hannah, and he, Hannah was unable to have kids until God had heard her cries. And blessed her with Samuel. Samuel, as a young boy, was then brought to the temple to work alongside of Eli. And Samuel was literally and audibly called by God in the middle of the night. And Samuel heard God and he replied, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. 1 Samuel 3, verse 10. What obedience to listen to the Lord at such a young age. And Samuel continued a close relationship with his Lord, and he prophesied as a prophet to the the people of Israel. And Samuel had two sons who also were leaders in Israel, and according to chapter 8, verse 3, we read, But his sons didn't follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. His sons lacked integrity. So Israel was asking Samuel to appoint a king. And Samuel, we know that he was not perfect. But he was still their prophet. He was their leader. And he took this request from Israel a little bit personal. And he felt slighted on account of his pride. I mean, when you think about it, it's probably normal for many of us to feel that way. And and Samuel then would have to reflect on his response, how he responded and why. As we all do. And as much as appointing a king was not good for Israel, God said to Samuel that this rejection's not about you, but it's a rejection of me. Chapter 8, verse 7. So God is basically saying, Seriously, Samuel, do not make this about yourself. The people are speaking loudly to me and to my faithfulness and leadership. So in 1 Samuel 12, we are given an example of a biblical character who has character. So Samuel is old and gray. You've got to wonder, well, why does scripture include this? But I think just by saying this, old and gray, it automatically gives us an idea of wisdom, experience. And it kind of speaks, by saying old and gray, it kind of speaks to the person's character already. And Samuel's giving his farewell speech as the leader of the people; that he was still going to be around as their prophet, but transition was happening, things were changing, and he's standing before the people. He's speaking to them about their up-and-coming king Saul, and then he asks, basically asks the questions, or asks the people a series of questions, and he basically asks them if he abuses authority in any way, even unintentionally. He wants people to make it known to him so that he can make things right. Samuel is a man of integrity. Now the character of integrity, this is where we get a bit of information. The character of integrity has two parts that we're going to talk about this morning. And the first part is workability. And the second part is keeping our word. The first part of integrity is workability. The picture of workability that you can have in your mind is a picture of things working the way that they're supposed to work. Things working the way that they were designed to work. There's man-made structures uh, in this world that are so big that they can be observed from space. And one of these structures is the uh, Great Wall of China. China. Perhaps some people here have actually walked on the Great Wall of China. I haven't. But this wall took the ancient Chinese um, years and years to build. And it was built to hold off invasion from the barbaric hordes from the north. It covers hundreds and hundreds of miles. And they built it so thick that you can't break through it. And it was so long that you can't go around it. And it was so high that you can't get over it. This wall was built with integrity. It was built with strength. And for a purpose, and it fulfilled that purpose. The wall did what it was supposed to do. It had workability. It kept unwanted people out. The wall had integrity. But did you know that in the, within the first 100 years after the wall was finished... China was invaded three times by the barbarians in the north. They didn't go over the wall. They didn't go around it. They didn't go under it. They didn't make a hole in it to go through it. Remember, the wall had integrity. And yet they still got in. All three times, the enemy bribed the gatekeeper. And they walked right in. So the wall had integrity, but the gatekeeper did not. The second definition of integrity is keeping our word. And we heard through the children's message that we could use the phrase, who we are when no one's looking. We can also say, it's doing what I say I'm going to do, when I say I'm going to do it, in the manner it was to be done. Now that's a mouthful, but it's quite straightforward doing what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it in the manner it was to be done. The wall did what it was supposed to do. The gatekeeper did not. So the gatekeeper lacked integrity. He was committed to watching the wall ensuring invaders did not make it through. He did not do what he said he was going to do in the manner it was to be done. He messed up. And he had what we would refer to as an integrity gap. You know, we can put money and time and effort into things to govern ourselves, to defend ourselves. And yet when a person's character is flawed, it doesn't matter what is built, whether it's a church, a business, a nation, or an empire. The object can be built with integrity, but a lack of integrity in a person will bring kingdoms down. So we go back to our passage for a moment of Samuel 12. Samuel's speaking to the people, and he's practicing integrity. He says to the people that perhaps he's, he's made some messes through his leadership, and he wants to make those messes right. That the people share with him that he served with justice, he served obediently, he has served them with integrity. So, Samuel does not show a lack of integrity in this passage and in most of Scripture. But I think it's safe to assume that as human beings, we probably all have times that we may be similar, not exactly the same, but maybe similar to Samuel's sons to a certain degree. And we all lack integrity at times. And there'll be times in our lives that we do mess up, there will be times in our lives that we have what's called an, an integrity gap. In fact, I had an integrity gap just this week. Perhaps I had some more, but this is the one I'm going to share with you, and I'll share, I'll share it later. You have my word. You do. As we walk by faith, we have the opportunity to learn from our messes. You see, we have the opportunity to receive the information, we have the opportunity to hear what God's Word says, what His people says, and we have the opportunity to reflect and to practice. Life is full of practice, and this helps us in that transformation process. We have the opportunity to make things right, such as Samuel was intending to do. You see, after God's perfect creation, humanity fell into sin. Creation, and all of us included, is not the way it's supposed to be. It's not God's original design. Creation lacks integrity. And we, as part of that creation, as humanity, we often lack integrity. And you know what? We don't have to accept and just say, oh, that's just the way it is. We're sinners. We lack integrity. Big deal. No. Human life is full of promises and commitments. There's some large promises and commitments and some smaller ones. But there's something compelling about making and keeping a promise that people have been doing it for generations. It used to be that a handshake would be good enough for a promise. Those are back in the days, but now it takes a ton of legal paperwork. So what happens when you don't or can't keep your word? What happens is what Samuel wanted to do. You still honor your word. You desire to make things right. Honoring your word has a very specific structure that we can be encouraged to internalize. In our journey of walking by faith, we can learn four simple steps, as you see up there, to help us when we have integrity gaps. When we have integrity gaps with one another and with our God. So the first step is to acknowledge We need to acknowledge that we didn't keep our word. That you've broken a commitment, that you've broken a promise. It's like a confession. We take time to confess between one another and before God. And often, there's an integrity gap to what we said we would do, to what we did. There's that gap. Somebody or some group has been impacted by it. We say, I acknowledge that I fell short of my promise, my commitment. Secondly, as you see up there, you need to become aware of the impact that your lack of integrity had. And how do you do that? Well, you ask. You ask those who were impacted to tell you about their experience. Now, that will likely sting, and you'll have to work hard at not being defensive. In humility, let the feedback in, and it will contribute to growing your integrity muscles. And we do that between one another, we ask the impact. But what about God? Well, we have through His Word that the impact of our integrity gaps, of our sins, was that He sent His Son, His only Son, to the cross. That's quite an impact. Once you know how people were impacted, then thirdly, you can make a heartfelt apology. And only until you've gotten present to the impact and communicated what you've actually heard can you then say, I'm sorry, because really you're assuming what you're apologizing for, but you don't really know until you hear from the other person how they've been impacted. So we acknowledge where we messed up. We ask, the other party about the impact that it's had on them and we do a heartfelt apology and the fourth step in fixing our mess is to repromise as we heard in, in, Sam, in this passage Samuel was willing to make it right we recommit we recommit to what we originally committed to and perhaps it may look a little differently this time but generally you give your word again and you begin to work on keeping your word and sometimes we have to repromise multiple times before you can learn to faithfully keep your word. It's helpful to see that this learning process doesn't necessarily come to us right away. It takes time. So where there's an integrity gap in your life, often what occurs is that many of us will go through life Blaming others for things that don't work in their lives. My marriage. My marriage would be better if my spouse was only different. Or my workplace would be better if my boss. My boss or co-workers or employees weren't such... Well, they would be different. My church would be better if the pastor. Yes, the pastor or my fellow members were different. Or the situation would be different if God didn't allow it we blame others for when things don't go our way in every relationship all parties contribute to the breakdown and while that is true the person that we have the most control over is ourself and things are most likely to change if I focus on my part so if something's not working to the degree that they were designed to work address your part Address where your integrity gap is. What would it take for you to honor your word and to clean up the mess that was created by that gap? Because we all fall short. We all have integrity gaps. Perhaps some of us have integrity gaps relating to our public profession of faith, but we all have minor and major messes to clean up. And we have lots to learn. said i'd keep my word this week i was shopping and uh i get to the till to pay for my items and i'm not going to go to into the specifics of it all other than say that there was a discussion between me and the cashier on a store policy issue and it wasn't an angry discussion but it did plug up the line for a little bit I was suggesting that something should be one way, and the cashier was suggesting, well, that it's not that way. It explained to me how it actually was. But I'm a very logical and practical person when it comes to several things in life, and so I didn't accept the policy. And I challenged her and said that what she is suggesting might be the policy, but it's not logical or practical. And I would expect that it would go my way. That was my suggestion. I put the onus, the blame, on her and on the policy. Rather, taking responsibility for my own actions. What was the integrity gap? I didn't behave, I didn't act how I should have, how I was expected to act to someone else. Again, this is a very simple example. And as mentioned, I left putting the blame on her and the policy and how all this incident took place. Well, the next morning, after reflecting on the incident and on my behavior, not hers, I I questioned myself. Why couldn't I just accept what the policy was and just leave it at that? What was it in me that felt I needed to behave the way I did? And why couldn't I have accepted her position and what she said was a store's position and and just left it at that? Instead of challenging her authority and the logic of the decision, she was doing her job. She was being a person of integrity. I reflected on this four-step method. And I went back to the store that morning and to the cashier. And I acknowledged to her that my behavior was not appropriate the, the morning earlier. And she remembered. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately, she responded, it's okay. And I acknowledged from my perspective, it might be from yours perspective, but my, from my perspective, it wasn't okay. And I asked what impact that had. Well, she still said, it's okay. It didn't leave an impact on her. I mean, I can only pursue it so much. In fact, and I I was hesitating to say this, but it's not about a pride. But in fact, it resulted in the story reflecting on the policy, and they made it more practical. (laughs) But that's not the point. (laughs) Because I tell you that because it could have easily have been, I could have easily have said, I told you so. But the point of that conversation that morning was I was there to determine the impact of my behavior on this person and apologize even though she said it was okay I apologized and I meant it and she accepted and I said I will not question her authority again in those circumstances now this was a very simple and pretty straightforward instance but it allowed me to practice a biblical response to living out the gospel of Jesus a biblical response of correcting a mess when there's an integrity gap for when those bigger instances occur because that's going to be when it's tougher. Our bulletin this morning, our bulletin cover refers to All Nations Heritage Week. And if we're honest, we likely have all made messes when it comes to indigenous people and other races. Not always intentional. And we likely have integrity gaps in our lives Areas that we think, well, that's not the way it should have been or supposed to be. So we all have opportunities to fix up our messes. On the bulletin, if you notice, there's a scripture verse from Philippians 2, verses 1 to 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort with His love, from His love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in Spirit and one in mind of integrity in a nutshell we will mess up we will make mistakes but we have the opportunity to be like minded having the same love being one in spirit and mind reflecting on where we need to be transformed in our life and in our behavior not blaming others what a way to bring integrity to our lives to this world Thankfully, our God has perfect integrity. Since the fall of creation and sin entered into this world, God has given us his word to restore things to what they should be. And we are called to partner with God, giving our word, joining God in this mission of restoration. And that partnering begins with each of us personally. And then that personal transformation will lead into congregational transformation. We, most of us here, have probably committed at baptisms, at Lord's Supper, at profession of faith. We've made promises, we've made commitments, and yet we will fall short. And we'll need to recommit to one another and to God. Jesus Christ lived with integrity. In fact, Jesus asked a similar question to the people in John 8, verse 46, as Samuel did in 1 Samuel 12. Jesus asked, which of you convicts me of sin? No answer. Jesus did what he said he would do. He committed. He set out for the plans that God had in store for him. We read of Jesus, the story of Jesus in the wilderness where Satan tempted Jesus. And Jesus was the perfect example of integrity. We have the story of Jesus' life which then led Jesus to the death on the cross. Jesus set out what he was supposed to do. Perfect integrity. We have integrity gaps with one another. We have integrity gaps with Jesus. We've broken promises. We've made a mess. And this has an impact on people and on our relationship with the Lord. But thankfully, Jesus' relationship with us doesn't change. And He has forgiven us for all our sins, for all our messes. And He wants us to confess our sins, not to shame us, but to understand the impact that we've had on others. And the impact that we've had on Jesus Christ. Because our messes and our sins sent Jesus to the cross. And yet he has forgiven all those sins. So, as we walk by faith, may the Spirit prompt you to think about integrity gaps in your own life towards God, towards the church maybe towards God and towards the church you have integrity gaps in your offerings your financial offerings as a whole we do because we've committed to an amount that we're going to offer to God and to his church and we've fallen short what about to God and to the church about our spiritual gifts we've committed to using our gifts for his glory, for the building up of the body. Are we doing that? Where have we fallen short? Or how about our attitude? Putting the blame on others when we need to look at what's going on in our own hearts. What about towards another member or family or friend or coworker? You see, lack of integrity is only a character flaw if we do nothing about fixing our messes. It shows great character when we reaffirm what we will do in the manner it was to be done and allow the Holy Spirit of Jesus to transform our hearts and our minds more and more into his likeness. As a follow-up to the message, next week we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Our God, as mentioned, doesn't have a lack of integrity. But we do. But God reminds us through the sacraments of His promises to us that He makes over and over, or He tells us over and over, and that He always keeps. And as we respond to God's Word, we are also reminded of all that God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. And as a response, it is also good to be reminded of how God desires for us to live our life, not just one week before we celebrate communion, but live our life always. So as we continue our journey of walking by faith, we have the opportunity to examine our love and to practice. Both for God, we examine our love both for God and for our neighbors. We remember the great and first commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our strength, and mind. And let us consciously determine to live a life of loving service to God through Christ our Lord. And let's also search ourselves to determine whether we love our neighbors as Christ commands. Do we selfishly live for welfare of others? Do we, our lives reflect the godly virtues of obedience, fidelity, integrity, justice, humility, and contentment? Do we seek reconciliation with our neighbors in all cases of offense? And if we're honest with one another, with God... We have integrity gaps with our Father in Heaven. We have integrity gaps with one another. (coughs) So let's therefore ask God for His Holy Spirit upon us as we go together, uh, read together through a responsive litany, preparing our hearts and recommitting our promises. And this morning we do that through a litany prepared by the Christian Reformed Race Relations. And it's based on our world belongs to God, Article 38 to 43. So if you're able to stand, I invite you to stand. In our world, bent under the weight of sin, Christ gathers a new community. Satan and his evil forces seek whom they may confuse and swallow. But Jesus builds his church, his spirit guides, and grace abounds. The church is a fellowship of those who confess Jesus as Lord. She is the Bride of Christ, His chosen partner, loved by Jesus and loving Him, delighting in His presence, seeking Him in prayer, silent before the mystery of His love. Our new life in Christ is celebrated and nourished in the fellowship of congregations, where God's name is praised, His word proclaimed, His way taught. Where sins are confessed, prayers and gifts are offered, and sacraments are celebrated. The Spirit empowers each member to take part in the ministry of all, so that hurts are healed, and all may rejoice in the life and growth of the fellowship. The church is the gathering of forgiven sinners called to be holy, dedicated to service. Saved by the patient grace of God, we deal patiently with others, knowing our own weakness and failures. We bring good news to all sinners with understanding of their condition and with hope in God. We grieve that the church, which shares one spirit, one faith, one hope, and spans all time, place, race, and language, has become a broken communion in a broken world. When we struggle for the purity of the church and for the righteousness God demands, we pray for saintly courage. When our pride or blindness blocks the unity of God's household, we seek forgiveness. We marvel that the Lord gathers the broken pieces to do His work and that He blesses us still with joy and new members, and surprising evidences of unity. We commit ourselves to seeking and expressing the oneness of all who follow Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we have heard from your word from the Old Testament book of Samuel, having been given an example of a man of integrity, and we're reminded how Jesus kept to his promise and his word of being our Savior. And we celebrate that each and every day of our life we celebrate it next week through the visible sacrament of the Lord's Supper a gift to your church and to your people we thank you for all that you have done for us and as a response to the gospel message of Jesus we want to commit to you and commit to one another and we confess that so often we do fall short and that we do make messes of things but you Lord have cleaned up our mess through the once and for all sacrifice on the cross we praise you and we bless you And we recognize that this gift cost a great deal. So where we've made messes and have had integrity gaps in our life, may we work to honor our word and more importantly, work to honor your word. Through your spirit, nudge us this week where we may be able to bring healing to relationships and partner with you in bringing your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Hear our prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.